Welcome to episode 58 of the Horror Dads podcast. I am your host, John, joined by Jamie as always, and we are joined today by a very, very special guest, Mr. Ghoulish Gary Pullen. Gary, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, man, we are so excited to have you on the show, Gary. <laughs> thanks. This was like a bucket list thing when we started doing this. It was like, all right, so... Ten years from now, when uh, yeah, yeah. seven people are listening to us, we're going to ask Gary if he wants to be on the show. So yeah, uh, we, thanks a lot, man. That's uh, uh, that's hilarious. That's awesome. Sound, uh, this will sound really creepy. I was actually in the shower thinking about how you and I had him on our bucket list. So <laughs> Gary, you made it to my shower. All right. Oh, uh, exciting! Today we're going to talk about we're going to do an interview with Gary, who's one of the most accomplished in the industry, uh, fantastic illustrator and artist. If you were to pick up a copy of his book, would not realize how much stuff you have in your house, kind of like I did uh, once I started <laughs> reading through it. Um, Honestly, yeah, so much in in vinyl prints and Blu-ray covers and apparel and posters. So much, uh, so much great stuff. But it's funny because. Matty Tobin, who's a mutual friend of ours now at this point, he he was on the show for the second time this past fall. And yeah. afterwards, we just kind of stayed on the Zoom and had a couple of beers and we're chatting. And he was like, hey, you know, anything you guys want, uh, just let me know. I'll send you a little bundle of posters and stuff. And we were like, cool. you know, now that you mention it, um, how do we get Gary on the show? <laughs> the show? <laughs> and he's like, that's hilarious. Anything right on, you want. And that's what you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You sound just like him when you said that. That's awesome. Yeah, Maddie's the best. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, he's a good guy. dude. Uh, he was another bucket list uh, guy. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I actually listened to the uh, most of the episode uh, the other day. It was great. It was really good. Awesome. Yeah, not to uh, – we have the – this is Super Bowl weekend coming up. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, right. to make a little football analogy, we are talking to, I would say, the Tom Brady of uh, horror illustration. <laughs> Gary, we're going to involve you in our uh, typical introduction stuff before we jump to some interview questions uh, with you. We've got sure. a ton of stuff to ask you, and we want to hear about your process and whatnot. But uh, we, we like to catch up as old friends, so you guys been watching anything new recently? So I've actually been watching a bunch of the Universal Monster stuff because I don't, I'm unlike you guys, I never really watched the Universal stuff. I didn't grow up in a horror household. I didn't grow up with this stuff. So um, I got to a point where I was like, ah, black and white shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like going <laughs> yeah. back in time was never really my thing. But I've been enjoying the shit out of, uh, I just kind of did a deep dive of as much Universal stuff as I could get my hands on. So I've been really oh, digging good. those. And then I rewatched uh, Tourist Trap just came to Amazon or Shutter or something, which I own it. But, you know, it's like putting it in and all that rigmarole. Yeah. Uh, so I've been yeah. watching it on streaming. I just watched it last night. So just so good. Tourist traps. Yeah. yeah it's a, yeah, it's good stuff. One. Gary, what have you been watching, man? Uh, not much. Been kind of busy lately. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of what we've been watching. Like, um, Oh, Ozark season four. I know that's that horror, but man, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> but horror wise, I'm trying to think of something that really blew me away recently. I am. I have to admit, I'm really behind on new horror stuff. Like, yeah. there's a lot of new stuff that came out in like during the pandemic, even yep. that like I am not caught up on. And there's a lot of stuff that I do need to sit down and watch. Um, I'm trying to think of like the last. I mean, you know, the last time I was in a theater was Invisible Man. Like, that's crazy. Oh my I god! Think. Yeah. So I mean, like, I'm trying yeah. to think of what was the last thing I saw. Anyway, that came out like right before the pandemic. It was like the last release, it, I think. Yeah. 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 And then um, we did go to the drive in a couple of times. I'm trying to think we saw like a horror film at the drive. 
but um they really yeah, had stuff driving's like, got to open right that was kind of nice yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we so we did a did a couple of those nights there but yeah new horror is like i'm so behind on like a lot of it it's <laughs> like, tough it john and tough. i did a best of 2021 movies and then we both were like oh my god we, we, have, to, we have to watch yeah. a lot of shit <laughs> yeah any recommendations like that that uh you could throw me yeah i think uh the the unsung hero from 2021 for jamie and i both was this movie called the manor uh and it's yeah i know i know in canada oh, that was a blunt yeah it was yeah yeah and it's cool it's really like it's tight. It's to the point. It feels like an episode of X Files or uh, Twilight Zone, definitely. Uh, but in film film fashion, and it's good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I heard about I'm that one that for one. sure. Yeah. See, I need to I need to watch that. I watched the first round of Blumhouse ones. Um, I actually got to do the post like special posters for a screening for it. They were like driving driving style posters for like Black Box and The Lie, and then the other one, the other two. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were really good actually like the, I, I really quite enjoyed like two of them especially were really good um so i did want to see the sequels like uh, or at least the the next round yeah uh, they've got good yeah, stuff I'll check that out. out yeah i've just been going through the valentine's day stuff uh, yeah same yeah my bloody valentine I, I think i've watched valentine oh, yeah. like nine times dude valentine's on shutter now and it's like yeah, it's dangerous oh nice knows. yeah i'll just throw it on all the time my wife's like again <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, that's, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. No. You know? It's funny, I mean, too, I've Gary, we were talking um, on on Instagram, uh, you and I, about the Karloff collection. You're like, I think it's coming out on Shudder. And then that night, I got the email from Shudder. It was like, Karloff collection. And so this is perfect timing uh, for everyone listening, uh, because after we go through this episode, we're going to have a bunch of films we're going to talk about. Now you can kind of jump on Shudder and, and rally through them. For sure. Except the Canadians might not be able to see the collection on the on the Canadian shutter if there are any Canadian listeners. <laughs> we have a lot of Canadian yeah, uh, followers too. Good, so, good. Ashley, David, we're sorry, guys. Do we want to hit anything we've been buying? You've been buying anything? Yeah, I actually did pick up the so I got the the I've been looking for the blacklight posters. I actually did pick up the uh, quote face studios autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh nice. Can't wait. It hasn't come yet. I can't wait. Yeah. Chris Garofalo. Oh, very cool. Chris. Yeah. He's a yeah. great guy, man. He's, he's a lot of fun. I would run into him at every convention. Yeah, he's an amazing uh, guy. He, we had him on the yeah. show. It's been a couple of years now. Yeah. We did like tele. So before we did the interview, we did like a pre-call where we just like chatted and typically we do that with people and it's like a 15 minute conversation. It was like three hours. We were all like drunk <laughs> yeah. as hell at like 1am. Like what happened? Yep. We have to work. Oh tomorrow. yeah. Yeah. I've had those conversations with Chris. Uh, it's awesome, man. He, he, he gets you pumped when you're at a convention. I find like he's, he's very like, when you see him, I'm like, okay, I I'm ready to like hit the booth now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, he, I loved his Godzilla poster. I made sure I got one of those. It was the one with the graph. It looked like a, you know, like a tremor graft or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, earthquake. Yeah, yeah earthquake graft um and i thought that was just brilliant he's got some really great you know concepts and uh i've always felt concept is king um when coming up with these one images for a poster you know you really gotta come up with a hook yeah. and there's been so many so many ways of, of doing like the same property and you know it's uh it's hard to think out of the box you know you really gotta and I, chris does that i, I like this i like about his stuff he really does like his new screen print that he just released with it's just like made up of text bubbles it's just yeah, amazing. yeah that's, goes that was it. great yep yep i haven't seen the new scream i'm imagining they're really working in the social media aspect so 
Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. See, that's a great solution. That's just like, yeah. So I, I, saw I did pre-order that. Chart. So good. Yep. I've been eyeing it up. Like, should I? Like when I got the <laughs> autopsy. And you guys, you guys do a lot of conventions yourself or? We have not. I actually no. went oh, to you my did. first yeah. one in November uh, in Chicago, Days of, De- Days of the Dead in Chicago. That was the first one I've ever been to. Yeah. Cool. Good. Well, I, you know, I hope you can go to more. I know that saying that's like, hey, do you do a lot of conventions? A lot of them have been closed like the past couple of yeah. years. But I do find in the States, it's a little more, things are a little more open there. And in Canada, there's not some, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few conventions here and they're all, they're all really good. And there's, there's some, you know, a really great film festival here called Fantasia Film Festival. Uh, and, and in Toronto has Toronto After Dark Film Festival, and, and those are really great. But in terms of like conventions, there's like one out in Calgary that's really good, and then there's Frightmare in the Falls, which is at Niagara Falls, which is awesome for tourists because you're at the falls. And yeah, you know, that sounds amazing. They've got, a good, they've got a good convention, but I find in the states, every state has a convention, and so literally there's like 50 cons going on a year. Yeah, and so I love that because um, now that things are up and running, I'm gonna. I'm going to try to go some to some more again, but um, for a while, yeah, you could literally just kind of throw a dart at the U S and chances are there's going to be a, a well-established horror con there. So I picked up the new slumber party massacre on Blu-ray. Uh, I know we were uh, talking yeah. about that before, yeah. before we rolled here, but I had to, our buddy, Michael Potter's in it. Um, How much was it? I think it was like 12 bucks. Whoa. On... Not bad. No, and I was actually going to mention about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, Dude, it is a lot of fun. I know Michael's going to be here at some point throughout the year and we've pledged to meet up with him when he gets here. So I will have him sign that bad boy. Um, just so he doesn't forget us when he's famous, you know, will that be awkward at all? Like, Hey, here, sign this. Dude, it's so good to meet you. We've talked to you like 20 times. Can you sign this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you'll be like, man, I wish you would have got him. Sign that. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Do you buy anything else? Uh, no, but, we did receive a really nice care package from oh my God, yeah. our buddy Tony Cadwell, who we had on the show a few episodes ago. He uh, directed a, a new film with Kane Hodder in it, and he sent us um, a stack of DVDs for Balsam, A Paranormal Investigation, which was his film. And are we going to give some of those away? We are. Yeah. Okay. And a stack of DVDs for another um, film he did called Behind the Sightings. Oh, yeah. With the clowns. Yep. It's yeah. a clown movie. And then cool. there was a second box. It was an Amazon box he repurposed, and I was like shoveling snow, and I picked it up, and I was like, there's a lot of tape on this. This is weird. And then I realized that that was also from him. So I opened that, and there was the most pristine Friday 13th mask, silver <laughs> Friday 13th mask, signed by Kane Hodder um, for, for you and I. So we have that hanging down in the space now. Um, so that was an amazing thing to get, and Tony, we appreciate it, man. So thank you oh so much. Oh, my God. Yeah, Tony, that's amazing. Yeah, John, uh, Gary, John sent me the text when he got it, and he was like, look at this. He was like, we'll have to do visitation days. Like, you get it one week, I get it the next. <laughs> awesome. We'll set up a schedule for it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, thanks. Any uh, horror merch you've been buying lately, Gary? Like uh, apparel or Blu-rays? Um, or I buy a lot of vinyl, actually. Mm. Uh, a lot of soundtrack stuff. I just got the uh, the Bride uh, Frankenstein, the Waxwork one that uh, Phantom City did, and Waxwork Records, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, trying to think of like, uh, yeah, let's see. Yeah. Once in a while I'll buy something from trick or treat studios. I'll buy a mask or something. Yeah. Um, I got that ghoulies that's behind me. I got him recently. Um, (laughs) yeah, man, I like to kind of surround myself in all this stuff too. eh? like just, uh, now that I have my own office, you know, you sort of 
um, have your own space to kind of like, it's like a fun, creative, you know, environment. I like to. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of stuff I had since I was a kid is in here too. And, you know, like the horror monster clubhouse kind of thing, you know, try to try to make it like that. (laughs) 100%. Oh God. Monster squad. We always cover what we, what we're wearing as well. So what what do you have on there, Gary? Is that a creature from black lagoon shirt? This this is like a super seven, that, that toy company. It's like creature from the black lagoon shirt that they made. They did like a a metal Luna one too. I got it at San Diego comic-con. That was a year that I was there with um, Jason Evanston. Um, And so I got to, got to vend there, which was amazing, but talk about like overload. I mean, yeah, you literally mortgage the house there if you like it's like <laughs> so much cool stuff i mean like yeah um and so you know super seven had a had a booth there so I, I made sure to go over there and get some stuff and uh yeah gotta celebrate the creature tonight yeah for, uh, love it our topic what do you have on i have the toxic coffin nightmare on elm street sure yeah love that love it love this one yeah, yeah. i did the it's very 80s I, uh, yeah, dude, so eighties. I love it. The hot pink, and it came with uh, so the guys at Toxic Coffin always like oh, throw some goodies in. So it came with like cool. a bag of their local like uh, coffee maker, um, and then it came with a pair of hot pink sunglasses that say "Never Sleep Again" on the side. Yeah, my kids. Oh, will, very cool. My kids will not hesitate to make fun of me when I have those on, <laughs> and I just like don't. Real care. quick, that the shirt reminded me of. I, I did get something really cool too. The uh, Terravision put out the Freddy's uh, Nightmares. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Final. It's pretty cool, man. Like I, I remember seeing that show when I was a kid, and I was so for it. Like I was like in the height of my Fangoria days and just metal and horror. And actually, you no, know, nothing's changed. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like literally. But uh, you know, back then, I remember Freddy's Nightmares was like a big deal. Like, and uh, they, you know, the commercials. And when I watched it, most of it was censored, so that got me all in a you know i was all about non-censorship and yeah. you know f the pier fuck the pyramid especially in those days yeah uh and all that and so uh i remember freddie's nightmares was really heavily censored freddie's bits are awesome when he does his intros and outros they're hilarious he's got great one-liners but everything in the middle was a little <laughs> left to beat his and it's real it's shot on video even back then so it really looked bad on tv now it looks cool because that's what everyone likes. They like yeah. that it looks retro. But back then, it did not look cool. Like, it just looked really <laughs> cheap. And so I'll never forget how being disappointed I was in that series. But I watched it again when they announced the vinyl coming out. And uh, again, the Freddy bits are awesome. And the music's fun. And I think that's just like a slam dunk as far as the vinyl goes. You know, like, I mean, horror fans are really hungry for those really rare things. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. And the mm-hmm. artwork's super cool on that too. I think one of our buddies yeah, they did a picked great it job up. with the die cutting and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I kept hovering over that, like buying. I know, out, man. And then I just like. I mean, it's a lot of. Mu- I bought the three disc set. It's a lot of music that you know. It's a lot of similar music on it, but it's still cool to have. Like it, it's you know, and I, I listen to it, and I'll throw it on again as background. I you know, I like I like throwing on soundtracks and. You know, it's cool. It's it's a cool item. You know, it's a real collectible kind of thing. Oh, the vinyls nowadays are just like it's not about the vinyl itself. It's about that entire package, you know, and you know yeah. this because a lot of my yeah. vinyls have your artwork and it's just like, I, I love unwrapping it and opening it and seeing what, what the artwork is. It, I just, I love it. So I, I wore the shirt for the band I'm seeing tonight. Yeah, dude, yes. mine was dirty or I was going to wear <laughs> yes. it as well. <laughs> I but, love that. You know, they didn't make that many of those. So 
Yeah, we Jamie and I both uh, snagged one actually on our website. Uh, this is a shirt you have. Yeah, you have yeah, on. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I got my my ghoulish Gary Friday Thirteenth Part Three three <laughs> nice, shirt dude. on. Yeah, I'm glad you Thanks. did because. Oh, you should have heard my wife. She was like, "I forbid you to call him your ghoulishness." She's like, "Don't say that," and she's like, oh my God. "She's like, you're gonna wear that shirt too." And I was like, "All right, take, take it be easy." Be first. That would be. I've never heard that one. That's awesome. <laughs> your ghoulishness. Oh man, I don't know how to respond to that. So, yeah. oh boy. So now when she listens, she'll hear that I. I said it without saying it. Yeah, our wives don't listen. <laughs> you said it without saying it. That's, that's a good one, though. I like that one. Last thing we typically like to cover is anything, you know, we're obviously all about our families as we're horror dads. So, Jamie, any fun, funny stories about the kids? Yeah, that I you don't have hit? much. Um, my youngest has been watching In and Out with the monster movies with me this week. Yeah, that, that's um, mine, too. Cool. Yeah, cool. So, and it's been great watching, like, so my, my youngest is four. And he was in there with me today just watching, like, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Like, he watched the first, like, I'd awesome. say 30 minutes with me. Yep. And he was just oh, like, really? who yeah. is that guy? And I was like, it's Gilman. So then, like, every time he would show up, he'd be like, is that Gilman? And I was like, yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, the one with Gil's. And he was loving it, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Four. That's great. You know, they're not that scary. No, they aren't. No, they're not. And, the, and like I was yeah. saying, I didn't grow up in a household that had this stuff. So like I wasn't introduced to it. Yeah. So like one thing sure. that I really want to do is introduce my kids to stuff like this. Like not the gory horror shit, but you know, yeah, fun yeah. stuff like yeah. that. I really want them to be able to like, when they look back in time, you know, they're going to remember that like watching Gilman with his dad, you know, we talked about it's this too. Place to start, man. In the, you know. in the fall, I showed my oldest who's seven. I showed her, um, probably like 60% of Halloween. Uh, we just watched the scenes like the kids interacting with one another and stuff like that. And to be honest with you, those are some of my favorite parts of those movies yeah. is uh, the relationships between the friend groups and whatnot. So she, she was into that. And then she, yeah, yeah. my oldest watched a good bit of Frankenstein before school nice. um, a couple of days ago. So she, she really was asking cool. a ton That's of questions. Really cool. I always, I always just, you know, think that, you know, any, any, anyone under a certain age, since it's black and white and, and once in a while, I'm not in the mood for a black and white film either. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. but you know, like the new generation, you hope that maybe they can just get over that to, to really appreciate the, the lighting and, and the, the techniques that go behind black and white film. And, uh, and, uh, it forces you to kind of watch the story a little more, I find too. Yeah, um, definitely. But even my attention span is like, since, since we have cell phones now, you know, yeah, like, I know. <laughs> Even my attention span wanes, but, um, yeah, like, uh, that's good that, you know, um, that's, what's good about remakes. I find is that like uh, younger generations go back and look at it and, uh, you know, they can go back and hopefully, you know, uh, they can, they can appreciate the source, you know? Yeah. And we, we tell the story all the time, um, when we have new people on, but we had, uh, Jay Bond and Singa on, he wrote the walking dead novels. And he, oh, cool. he was telling a story about how he showed his son uh, the original Halloween and his son was like, this movie is boring. I don't get it. I don't like it. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> he said he was like pissed about it. And then he, then he realized determined to scare him. Yeah. Well, he said, I think, oh, yeah. I think what happened is like, he's seen this movie already because so many other movies have like mimicked scenes from it or sure. Yeah. Done, for done sure. The same themes. So he said he showed him The Exorcist and that uh, I think yeah. his friend left crying or yeah. something, right? He said he had a friend over. <laughs> he was like hyperventilating in the kitchen. Yeah, really. There you go. Course corrected. 
<laughs> I'll fix you, you little shits. Yeah. F around and find out. <laughs> anyway, I know it's like um, I'm I'm a horror uncle, so like I have a nephew and, and, and nieces. But, uh, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, we showed our niece uh, Monster Squad and she's like uh, nine. Yeah. And she really liked it. She thought it was awesome, actually. Perfect. Yeah. And that's a good movie for kids because it's pretty tight. You know, there's and they, not and, too much space. And they characterize the characters, right? So they take <laughs> the characters that are over the top and they make them three times as over the top. Yeah. So it yeah. makes it, it's like a mascot almost. So it's like, okay, this really, it's even less scary than something that's not that scary in the first place. Yeah. So. Yeah. The one scene I was worried about where he grabs a little girl and just calls her a bitch to her face. <laughs> yeah. That's like, you can't ignore that. Like you can't like, so, but you know, she's heard worse by now. Sure. So my, it's fine. My, it's speaking fine. of uh, that, my, my oldest uh, was, asking a ton of questions in Frankenstein when he's carrying the, the girl, the little girl's body through the town. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oof. I forgot about that. Yeah, scene. That's I was like, heavy. And she was like, is she asleep? And I was like, yeah, she's yes, sleeping, sleeping. Definitely. Grab a juice box. Yeah. Get yeah. two. <laughs> take your time. Uh, all right. So a couple shout outs before we jump into the episode, we do have an online, uh, merch store. Uh, if you're interested, you can jump over to horrordads.com and outfit yourself with uh, some Horror Dads t-shirts. We also have a Patreon, so please consider uh, subscribing. We've got a $5 tier and a $10 tier. Just want to do a quick birthday shout-out to Julie uh, Emmerich, who's one of our patrons. Nice. Happy um, birthday, Julie. And we did miss Gabe Reasoner's birthday and Adrian's birthday recently, so we're going to try and start working those birthday shout-outs in. Yeah, happy belated, guys. And then I do have one quick plug here uh, from a, almost like a sponsorship but it's about a, a film called Hide and Seek. So Hide and Seek is uh, about a, a gentleman named Jonathan, Jonathan Reese Myers, who stars in Hide and Seek, now streaming on Redbox. And the search for a missing brother reveals a terrifying family secret in this tense psychological th- uh, thriller filled with shocking twists and nail-biting turns. Stream Hide and Seek instantly on Redbox on demand today. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. All right, you guys want to uh, get into our episode? Let's do it. Gary, let's start from square one, man. We've read your book, which is called Ghoulish, uh, and it's just a summary of the the art by Gary Pullen, which is fantastic. So prepping for this this interview, I kind of was getting neurotic. I was like, there's nothing we can ask you that wasn't asked in this book it's like the most comprehensive thing imaginable and it's so good and it highlights and showcases your artwork so if you guys enjoy this interview you'll most certainly enjoy this book because it's going to cover a lot of what we're going to cover and it also has visual companions to it that book is unbelievable gary and um i was telling john like every page i turn it's like i'll tattoo this on my arm and then (laughs) the kneecap here like i ran out of space yeah Thanks. Yeah, a couple of people have got uh, some tattoos done. It's always awesome to see. I love it. I bet. So, but what age, though, did you start to find your fascination with horror? And did you have one specific thing that was your gateway? I think there was a television show um, that you mentioned in the book that was uh, a Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I really do kind of have to reference that because every time when, when how it started was basically like Vincent Price's laughing head yeah. on this intro of a TV show that was all about that spoofed the universal monsters. And it was like a SCTV sketch comedy kids show. 
filmed in Hamilton here that I, I live in Hamilton, Ontario now, Canada, and uh, filmed like 10 minutes away from me here. And um, yeah, and it, it starred Vincent Price. And so he came to Hamilton in like 72, I think 71 to shoot. He only came for like three days. He did all of his scenes in three days. And so he would kind of dress up as like the wizard or like the, the spooky castle guy. And he would say an intro about, you know, what's happening on the show or what's coming up or some little morality kind of tale. And then Billy Van would take over. Now Billy Van was a Canadian comedian actor who played like 12 characters on the show. And he played the Wolfman, the, the, the librarian, the, the gourmet, uh, what's her name? Griselda, the gourmet chef. Like, I mean, you know, and he played the count who was the main character and anyway, all of this added up to a really spooky experience when you're like six years old and, you know, they seeing Vincent Price and, you know, him uh, on the show uh, and the Universal Monsters being spoofed, it kind of led me to think, well, what are, what are they spoofing? So then I kind of started to watch like, you know, like the regular Universal Monster stuff. You know, I got into that at an early age, um, you know, of course, all the Universal Monster stuff. And then, um, and then Godzilla was big too. There was a, a, a show in Cleveland, actually, Channel, I think, 43, uh, Soup's On. He was like a, a television host when I was a kid. He was the host by day, but then on the weekend, he dressed up in a Superman costume with a red nose, and he introduced uh, he introduced monster movies and, and Three Stooges. <laughs> my dad, so my dad, who is older, he's almost 70, he is obsessed with this concept, and he... I don't think he understands what a podcast is and he knows we do this right. and he's very supportive, but I don't think he really gets it. So he, he said, uh, you know, in the, in my day we had Bill Cardill in, in Pittsburgh, uh, chili Billy. Oh yeah. And he keeps bringing this <laughs> up. He's like, you should do something like that. And I was like, well, see, there's like a national presence of that <laughs> form. Now it's Joe Bob Briggs. And he's like, that sounds stupid. Yeah. He's like, you can do better than this Joe Bob. And I'm like, you don't no, understand. No. Uh, so there's only a million of these guys too, right? <laughs> you know, Canada, we had Billy Mann and, uh, it's pretty awesome. And so, yeah, Vincent Price, of course. And then, um, you know, growing up heavy metal, like I'm a product of the, I'm a kid from the eighties, late seventies or eighties. Uh, and so all that stuff was like, you know, Halloween was on TV on Halloween. You watched that you were sitting in front. I couldn't, I was way too young to obviously catch in the theater and, but we rented it for sure. Or it was on TV, you know? Um, so you have, so, you said you're an uncle, so you have siblings? Uh, yeah, I have a, a younger brother and uh, he has um, a son and a daughter, a stepdaughter. And then I have um, uh, my, my wife, uh, her sister uh, has a kid. So yeah, that's our niece. And uh, you know, they come here and they, they know that it's, you know, there's all monsters everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> So was your younger brother into this stuff too? Did you get him into it? Yeah, I think we court sort of definitely, you know, when we were really young, we didn't so much our, our you know, when, when you're like 14 and your brother's like 10, you're not mixing friends yeah. and you're not. Yeah. yeah. But after that, once we got to like the teen, like I was 20 and he was like, you know, 17 or 16, <laughs> we all started like, you know, hanging out and uh, definitely bond. Now we really bond over horror movies and metal and, you know, hard rock and stuff like that. And nice. he's actually, my brother, Jason hits his birthday today. So happy birthday, Jason. Oh, nice. Happy <laughs> birthday. But uh, he's, he's actually, he actually joined me for, um, 
for Chicago's Day of the Dead twice. Uh, they, they had me down there as a guest a few times and he came with me twice and we had a blast. Like we had an absolute blast. And so, yeah, he's really into it too. So it's, it's, it's really cool. I can always recommend stuff to him and he recommends stuff to me. And, you know, now, now it's like, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Staying with the family thing for a minute. Did you have family members that were encouraging or inspirational toward, toward your effort as an artist and toward your effort, you know, in exploring the horror genre, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I was lucky. Uh, my parents are, they still are. They're always, they've always been really supportive of, of what I do. And, uh, and, and, you know, I was the kid on the block drawing, you know, and, and wearing t-shirts that maybe I shouldn't be wearing. Like, you know what I mean? Like Aussie shirts that were crazy when I was a kid and going to school with this stuff and going to school with a Fangoria and maybe getting in trouble. But my parents, they knew that I was challenging, uh, channeling all this stuff into something good. Like I would try to draw what I saw in Fangoria. I would copy evil dead Two, or, you know, I'd do all these stupid, stupid ink drawings in my notebooks and stuff like that. And at one time I remember in grade eight, um, my, my teacher said, look, like, why don't you do this for me for Halloween? Like you can take the day off of assignments and I'll let you do a couple of posters for the uh, classroom. And, and so I did that. And my parents thought that was great. You know, they thought, Hey, you know, he's, he's challenging, he's, he's channeling this stuff. And my, my dad's uh, dad, um, my grandfather, who I never got to know, but he was a painter and, a, and, a, and, you know, he was quite good. So that's, I think that's where I got it from. <laughs> and my awesome. dad was, is actually a tech, more technical. He's a, uh, draftsman. He was a draftsman for the Ministry of Transportation here in, in Canada. So he would design roads and bridges and supervise all the plans for those. And and so he was drawing more technical, but I picked up the way he writes. His his writing looks like when you see when you see like a, a you know a layout or like a landscaping and, and and everything's on a ledger and it's all really nicely in caps. And he write, you know, that's that's the way I write now because that's yeah. what I saw when I was a kid. I love that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, I mean, there was some artistic stuff going on in my family that, but I was always that kid that just always liked to draw, was always in a, you know, heavy metal and hard rock music when I was a kid. And I was always like, you know, kind of throwing it back too, you know, like, yeah, I'm into this stuff, you know, like (laughs) a little bit of attitude with it. Right. Because the stuff has attitude. I mean, you know, so there's a pretty funny antique in in the book that you referenced about your shop class when you made a, what was construed as potentially a weapon. Do yeah, you want to, do this you want to, is, this is probably my favorite story in the book. Yeah. I honestly was laughing out loud. I as I was reading this. Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. It's uh yeah, I got, I got in a lot of trouble for that when they thought that I made a weapon and you know, they, uh, I, I'll never forget the teacher telling me, um, you know, I said, look, I don't want to make like, uh, I don't know what the other kids are making keychains, whatever it was. I'm not making a said, box yeah, card. Can I make, <laughs> I said, can I make a, a pretty, Kruger glove and he he kind of like he didn't want me to do it he was like okay but you know what you gotta dull the knives like just bend and honestly like you you do this to some kid you'd poke him and it would just bend it was uh, aluminum it was yeah. really yeah. thin aluminum is what it was made of but I made him like a ring like rings that you could just put on and then a, a shitty old brown glove that I don't know where I got it on the school playground I don't know but it looked <laughs> enough like the freddy glove and i had a piece of leather on it and uh, it was like a driving glove and so you know i put the 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 plate on that all i had to do was like solder the plate to the rings and i felt like you know i made this cool thing and of course instead of taking it home and not showing it off first thing i did was go to the library 
and that's where a lot of kids went. They, you know, they had a lot of cool books in there, actually, a lot of horror books, actually. In your library? And so in I school? was always, yeah, in our, in our public school library. But anyway, that's a, I'm going to ramble on that. But um, so I went in there and started showing it off to my, my friends and the principal walked in and I immediately hit it under the table, one of the tables, right? And I don't remember library tables, but there's no cloth there. He can see all the way across the room underneath the table, this shiny weapon, it looks like to him. He walked and he was a mean, very imposing principal, Mr. Crocker. And so, yeah, he walked over and just put out his hand and I just gave it to him. <laughs> And then he's like, follow me. And I went into the office and sat there and I, I heard him call my mom. And, and so they told my mom I had a weapon. Right. And so my mom's like, basically like, what the hell is going on? Like, I, I wasn't the type of kid that would ever bring a weapon to school. I'd bring horror magazines and gory shit to school, but, <laughs> uh, you know, but would never go there, you know? And so, um, yeah, they, they took her son and basically just said, Hey, like, you know, uh, we've, you know, confiscated this thing off of them. Um, you know, what's going on here and this and that. And, and so my mom immediately looked at it. She had, she didn't even know I made it yet and looked at it and said, Oh man, haven't you ever seen Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> Never seen Freddy Krueger. Like you don't know who Freddy Krueger is. And literally in the eighties, everybody knew who Freddy Krueger was. Okay. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. He was, he was on Wheaty, Wheaties boxes. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he literally was. Like it was like the MTV, you know, well, here in Canada, we had much music, but we got MTV too. And he was literally everywhere. Like, he, he and, really and was. So, Ronald yeah, Reagan mentioned so, him during like a press conference. <laughs> like he was like, Oh, that's like a scene from nightmare on Elm street. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's true. Like, um, yeah, he was like, uh, the, the new Frankenstein. I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so, and so, um, you know, she was shocked that, you know, it was, it was awesome actually, because I thought I was really in trouble. I thought I was you know going to get in trouble anyway. So the, the, the punchline also is that the, the, the next day I had to face my shop teacher who I betrayed and said, uh, you know, that I wasn't going to, you know, show it off. And he said, you know, I gotten a lot of shit for that. And I knew he was mad because teachers don't swear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, that you know, I just basically kind of crushed my dream of making a machete knife the next. Yeah, <laughs> and that was it. I still have the glove. It's it's uh, you know I still have the damn thing. And that's amazing. you know I guess at that age, it, you know, like I you know I wore it on my sleeve. I was always really into horror movies, and and I was trying to kind of get other people into them too. You know what I mean? I didn't. You know, it's like it it wasn't solidary like solidary. I had a couple other buddies that liked them too. We we'd watch them in my friend's basement. We watched like. Text Chainsaw Massacre and Dawn of the Dead on this shitty little like TV you would take camping and had a handle on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we watched some of the like like we watched Nightmare on Elm Street and Dawn of the Dead and Text Chainsaw Massacre on this little crappy TV he had, and it scared the shit out of us and has left those same impressions are still with me. You know, now you can watch it all high def. It looks amazing sure. and the whole experience is way better. But nothing will compare to when, you know, we were turning off the lights, watching this thing for the first time ever. Did you have and, uh, one friend who was like, Oh, we're going to go to Jeremy's because he's got all of them. And did you have like a video store you guys would all go to or. Yeah. Your, like at first we had the friend with the TV who had a VHS player. And then I think my parents got one eventually too. So we would kind of trade back and forth and there was a video store that I would go to. And, you know, the first three times I would give him a note for my parents and take home Martin you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, at a really young age, 
And, uh, you know, and, and, and by, by the third note, it was like, whatever, man, you can run whatever you want. Yeah. Apparently. yeah. No one's yeah. complaining on your end either. So, um, yeah, my parents are pretty, pretty, you know, really open mind with that stuff. There was stuff that they wouldn't let me watch. And, um, you know, obviously to, to, a, to a degree, but, um, you know, and back then I was really into makeup effects. I was really, you know, I was really into, you know, Savini and, and Greg Canham and, and Rick Baker and, and Botine and, you know, you know, you name it, man. Like those guys, Jagger, Kevin Jagger. I mean, those, you know, because of Fangoria, of course, that's where I saw it all. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're reading it and, and, you know, you're looking at this stuff going, this is my calling. Like, this is like, this is, I don't know what I'm going to do but I want to do something that's related to this. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, whatever, but then Fangoria went away for a while and all that, all the horror stuff went away for a while. I went to college and I went to art school and I was actually, I wouldn't say horror went away. I was actually watching horror films in college. What I was doing was um, in my class, in my year, I would wheel in a VHS player and, and I'd be like, anyone seen Dawn of the Dead? All right, and because we'd we'd be wa- we'd be working till like getting our assignments done till four, five, and six in the morning. Um, the dedicated ones, the ones that wanted to pass, were working. Yeah, and, I love uh, that because that's how like John and I are now with our friends. Like if they come over, they know that we're going to introduce them to like the burning or something that they've never seen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Gary, let you're, me ask you're doing you this. It for their own good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. I know that you've done a lot of uh, horror cons in Canada and the U.S. Have you noticed any uh, major differences between the way horrors perceive between Canadians and Americans, or the like, maybe the stuff that they love, or is it just all pretty much universal? I would say it's more or less universal. I, I definitely think. I think there is one slight disconnect with some of the. And I don't want to ruffle feathers, but like some of the Rob Zombie stuff, we don't really relate to up here. Yeah. Some of the Rob Zombie stuff we don't relate to in this room either, (laughs) Gary. So we're with you. (laughs) We actually talk about Um, this a lot on the podcast. I love White Zombie. And and like, honestly, I, you know, like I champion that guy because like, I really loved his drawings when I was a kid. Like talk about an inspirational person to be bringing horror into the mainstream. And, you know, he's one of us clearly. Oh, but definitely. there, there are, there are, I think, you know, I think some of the stuff I just, and I love wrestling, you know, from the eighties and stuff. Like I love, I love some of that stuff, but I, I just feel like he, he writes all those movies the same and the same tone, but I, I love the actors that he uses. I love Bill Mosley. I think he's amazing. I think he's the best part of those oh, films. He's so good. Yeah. He is so good. What do you think that disconnect um, is though? Do you think maybe it's like the redneck culture? That yeah. He that's kind of where I'm yeah. going, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like watching Halloween, um, you know, and I know a lot of people love it. I know it's a very devi- divisive film. And so, uh, you know, when we watched it, seeing, you know, like, really, his mom's a stripper. Like, yeah. Like, okay, nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, there's a level of class. <clears throat> you know, I, I find, like, um, Myers, I don't know. Like, that's, you know, Halloween's kind of a classy movie. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why throw swear words and strippers and and stuff into it when it's really you know not like that? It's it, the rape scene. The city too. they live in doesn't act like that. You know what I yeah. mean? Anyway, I don't want to go on t- too much because I do like a lot of the stuff he does. It's just maybe that's I don't know if that's like that's actually a really good question. I mean, I think that's a really there's something 
you know i don't know i don't know if i have an answer for that because like you're right like there's a lot of films that have been done in canada and i love like i i i love those films like black christmas and my bloody valentine and yeah all those 80s slab the tax shelter films right well david cronenberg the fly i mean yeah on, right? yeah um and he's an echelon of himself. He's a little more, there's the B movies, the Canadian B movies, which I absolutely adore. And then like someone like Cronenberg, he's like making A-list movies, right? right. But, he's just, and they're, they're so intelligent you know, There's too. a certain class to them, right? There's a certain, yep. um, Ginger Snaps. That's a classy movie. Oh God, it's it's yeah. a really good, well-told, Change I don't know if classy is the right word, but it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's mature. It's, it's smart. Yeah. It's smart. And like now, like John and I are discovering a lot of stuff that like we didn't even necessarily know was Canadian, you know, like happy birthday to me. That's an amazing one. Uh, and that was mostly yeah. Canadian. Yeah. And yeah. Doing research for the first episode we did with Maddie. Yeah. Because I, I think our topic was Canadian horror films. It was. Right? Yeah. yeah. Tucker and Dale versus evil. And we talked about the changeling. We talked about black Christmas. Oh yeah. yeah. The changeling. Yeah. Oh, I love the changeling. The changeling so is much. great, right? So yeah. fucking good. So good. Great poster. I know. Too. And it's like, I, I love the fact that, you know, there's a movie that I can always recommend to somebody that may, they may not have heard. Session Nine's another one. Oh. Sorry, that's not an American. That's an American movie, but we, um, love, we, we love that movie. Just talking to someone today about that movie. Yeah. That's yeah. A great Session one. Nine, like David Caruso is awesome as David Caruso in it. Like, he, he's, he's great as David Caruso <laughs> in everything, I think. He really is. Yeah. But I'll tell you, no, he is really good in that. Like, he really plays that, you know, kind of that. He does guys yeah. like fuck guys. And he just kind of plays that, you know, <laughs> fuck you. I love that scene. Yeah, he really is great in that. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. And uh, that, and you know, Larry Bessemer shows up at one time, you know, <laughs> Oh man. you know, I love the fact that, you know, my bloody Valentine is Tarantino's favorite slasher. I mean, there's something cool about it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I don't know if you saw this. I think it was last year, Gary, or maybe the year prior. Um, but one of our buddies, Peter Sudol, uh, he, yeah, Peter. Yeah. He, he like, we met him through the podcast and he's, yeah. he's a big fan and he's one of our patrons, but he, he, um, was like tagging Moosehead, like actively trying to get like, Hey, we need Gary to do the new logo for Moosehead and we need to release <laughs> it around, uh, Valentine's day. <laughs> so, well, I would be down. Yeah. You know what the ironic thing is? This guy I went to college with redid the Moosehead branding. Really? Oh, my recently. God. Yeah. So there you go. But, um, yeah, like, honestly, that would be odd. Yeah, because Moosehead is, like, it's so, it's in the movie so hard. It and, really is. Uh, I, I love that Canadian movies try to look American by, like, in Black Christmas, they're in the, uh, you know, um, in the cop shop there. And, uh, and there's like little Canadian flags on the desks. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And everyone's like, how's it going? Hey, come on in. It's pretty cold outside. Hey, it's like, you know what I mean? It, clearly it's, you know, you ain't, you ain't anywhere near, you know, California or wherever they, they were trying to be in that movie. But yeah, but yeah no, it's, uh, there's a lot of great stuff that has come out of Canada and, um, you know, but again, like I was always watching us stuff and, uh, certainly the universal monsters were, huge huge influence well this is actually a, a great segue so you you grew up reading fangoria right mm -hmm. um and fangoria seemed to be a, a pretty prominent part of your life per your book but you you were the first art director for rumor magazine which hails from, yeah. from canada yeah so you want to talk a little bit about your time with with rumorg and how it came to be yeah. and sort of what some of your accomplishments were at, as you worked there yeah yeah sure i mean well again that was such a dream job and 
I just graduated uh, for graphic design and advertising and just, uh, you know, total junior designer looking for a job. Like I didn't want to move back to London. I knew that I wanted to be in Toronto and, you know, work with, with bigger clients and, and, and land like something that, you know, try to get a career going, you know? And uh, so I started out a commercial design firm and, and so their big, their big thing was they, they came up with the uh, red dog design, which was a beer label back in the nineties. Yeah. Oh, and, I remember um, red dog. Remember red dog? <laughs> oh yeah. So one of those guys was my art director um, when I was first hired anyway. So I got in, got into the commercial art world. And then at the same time being in Toronto, well, there's an amazing video store there called suspect video. Um, there were two locations at the time. So you could go and find like the movies you could never find in the small towns. Like, you know, he had, they had, you know, all the Argento stuff, all the Fulci stuff, all the Baba stuff, you know, you name it. Right. Um, so I was, renting anything I could there. And uh, during the design gig, I was uh, rooming with like three other people to afford to live in Toronto because I couldn't afford, you know, your own apartment when you're starting out. And then I met Rue Morgue at a uh, film festival, Fantasia Film Festival from Montreal, used to come to Toronto once a year and Colin Geddes would head that up. He works at TIFF now. And um, he, you know, they would head that up in, in Toronto and they would show like Fulci's Beyond or like the new Godzilla movie. I think at the time it was the size does matter Godzilla, right? Well, there were guys in the lobby selling plot does matter shirts. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it was this awesome community of like film people that would, you know, go to like the Bloor Cinema or go to the Royal Theater, um, which are both Royal still there, but the Bloor's something else now. And uh, I met Remorg. They were in the lobby. And I had already seen one of the magazines. I think I'd seen issue three and it had Savini's uh, Night of Living Dead on the cover. And I remember seeing the magazine thinking, uh, this is pretty pro looking for like a zine. Like it was mostly black and white, really thin, you know, uh, but really well written. And uh, they had a music review section. They had a CD section in it. And I thought that's awesome because the guy's reviewing like some metal and, and they're reviewing some soundtrack stuff. And this is like 1998, 97, 97. And so, you know, there was a void there too, because Fango kind of had gone away. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you remember that, they sort of, um, you know, they were kind of, I guess at the time they put Twilight on the cover and that wasn't a good idea. Oh my anyway, God. so, um, you know, uh, Rumor kind of felt like this little gap there. You know what I mean? And and so in the early days, you know, I gave him a business card. Sorry, I got to wind this up here. <laughs> I gave him a business card and was like, hey, man, like, I I really want to work with you guys. Like, I, you know, I'm a graphic designer and I love horror movies and uh, I love the magazine, but, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to, you know, tackle some, some a cover or if you need a logo in there or whatever and so Rod, rodrigo gudino the owner uh was the guy that i met that that night he met a lot of key people that evening uh he met um a future editor he met writers that still write for the magazine he met uh you know a lot of people that 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 um helped make that magazine go during that uh screening and then I went to go uh, see him after that. He said, hey, let's look at your portfolio. And we 
clicked instantly and he's like you know what man like sounds like you know what you're talking about and uh why don't you just like do this logo do this we have a classic cut page we need stuff for we have ads that we need done before it before i knew it it was a part-time job and so i was moonlighting at my design job because i didn't have a computer at home couldn't afford a mac by then at that time so the bosses would go home they had an awesome printer and you know i just used their equipment and (laughs) I, i got my my work done for them and then I stayed behind yeah. and would do remorse stuff. Cause I had a, you know, I had a, I had a new toy, right? Yeah. That is yeah. so awesome. And, and, and so it was awesome. And, and honestly, yeah, it was great. I was there for like, you know, almost 15 years and it was awesome. Like uh, never forget it. Like, yeah, I cherished my time there and I, I cherished the people there. And what can I say? It, it was time kind of felt like I'd done what I could do and it was time to, uh, to move on and, 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 you know, kind of realize my full potential. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you ever done anything for Fangoria? Yeah. The new Fangoria. Yeah. I, I, and I say new that, you know, like when they, when they started up a few years ago, uh, Phil, uh, Phil, uh, Nobile got in touch with me and, uh, junior, I think his name is Phil Nobile junior. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but, uh, he got in touch with me and was like, dude, like, let's, you know, I met him at, actually, I got to meet him at, um, uh, it was the 40th anniversary of Dawn of the Dead. We went down to Monroeville Mall, drove down with oh, some man. friends. Oh, that's not far from us. No, it's not. I drove down with Tal. Uh, and honestly, it was one of the best trips yeah. I've ever been on. I just, I didn't have a booth or anything. I just, I just wanted to go and check it out. And it was incredible. And I, yeah, I met, I met the new Fango team there, at least a couple of them. And they're like, let's, we want to work with you. And then I met their marketing guys and yeah. And then we've just been drumming up stuff to do since. And uh, yeah, there's probably more coming down the pipe. Awesome. I uh, got to do a cover and that was like a full circle moment for me in a way. And, and I will say like, you know, working at Remorik was like, you know, it felt like, uh, it felt like um, it, it, that felt kind of full circle too, that I was working at a horror magazine when I worshiped them so hard when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. And I felt like I was bringing, I felt like I could bring a little something because of that too, I guess. You know what I mean? I felt like, Hey, like I understand like what a magazine, what a horror magazine is. And uh, I think, you know, that was, you know, that convinced the owners at Rumor to give me the gig as art director. And uh, yeah, not, not, not just being amazing at what you do, but coming in and saying, look, I know, I know this audience because I am this audience and <laughs> I've been this audience and being able to connect with that. It's, it certainly shows in the work. And like we were saying, I was just flipping through all the room work covers that you did and just so much stuff that I've seen and had had in my life up to this point. And, and like, you've touched so much stuff. I had no idea that, that you yeah. did. So uh, that's why this, <clears throat> this book was really awesome to, to have to kind of to show. I was like, Oh my God, he did that one. Right. And he did that one. And I was like, talking it's, to myself and my wife was in the kitchen funny. listening yeah. so cool. speaking That's, of this you we had no idea how much uh of a hand you had in with fright rags at the, at the onset yeah yeah ben again like we've been friends for so long but um you know he said to me before that you know like the 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 graphics and rumor really inspired him and stuff like that is just priceless you know what I mean? yeah so. yeah the one of one of the things that really like and this is way in the early days of Rumorg, we were really aggressively doing a lot of conventions, and uh, we'd go to like four to six a year hardcore, and that really got the magazine out too. 
And way back in the day, we did a chiller convention. And I'll never forget Forrest Ackerman from Famous Monsters of Filmland. If you know who he is, he was the editor-in-chief of Famous Monsters of Filmland. Uh, you know, he worked with Basil Gogos, right? Like the king of all monster art, right? Yeah. Um, and so he's sitting at uh, in the lobby and he, he says, I walk up to him and I said, oh, hi, Forrest. I'm Gary Pullen. I, I work at, you know, Rumorg Magazine and, you know, we, you know, Famous Moss has been a huge influence on us. And and he goes, he just looks at me and he goes, oh, Rumorg Magazine. Yeah. She's like, you know, that magazine looks excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i floated away man i was yeah, like are yeah. you kidding me like that's i didn't expect him to say that i didn't go there for that you know i just he said that and i just thought we're doing something right yeah honestly so and then the magazine has been going strong since and i think it's great you know they, yep. they're, they're still around they're still doing a great publication and there's still a voice uh, a huge voice in, in horror and you know god bless them you know we still you know, we're still uh, friends and family. So what more can you ask for, right? Yeah, that's that's great. So after making the decision that you kind of had reached your pinnacle in full potential with Rue Morgue, you kind of went out, out on your own and did the freelance thing. Was That that jump was probably kind of scary at first and totally ex- exciting <laughs> yeah. and uh, liberating yeah. probably. It's probably all, all of that. So what was that like? Yeah, it was. It was hard to quit for sure. It was hard to leave, like, you know, basically something that I, you know, it's like basically like a baby, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, but I did have a couple of sticks in the fire before I left. And yeah. so, you know, I want to make sure that I wasn't just like, you know, not going to be able to pay rent. And and I had like, I have the most amazing, you know, wife. So she helped that first year for sure, because she's she kicks ass at what she does and we're okay there, right? So, you know, it was kind of like, I started working with Mondo and, uh, and death waltz and it just opened things up, you know, it just sort of like, Oh wow. And Larry Fessenden, actually, I, I got to give, um, glass eye picks a lot of props because I, one of my first big projects was working on tales from beyond the pale, which is like a radio drama show that Larry Fessenden from glass eye and, and Glenn McQuaid, they did. I saw the dead. I don't know if you guys saw that, but it's like a really cool indie movie. And I think glass eye picks are a visionary company. I really think that Larry Fessenden knows his shit. Yeah, I know. I, I know the exact cover that you're referring to. It's like uh, for "I Saw the Dead." Cool. Wasn't yeah. Um, what's his name in it from True Blood? I I don't know. I think he was. I'm I can't remember. Ron Perlman's in it. Um, yeah. You know, it's like a it's like a Burke and Hare type thing. They're like grave robbers. Anyway, yeah. it's it's really good. Yeah, it, and it, it so is. started working with with Larry Fessenden, and I thought, well, that's kind of in the right direction too, right? So you start working with these these, these people and, and, and especially like, you know, companies like, um, you know, Scuzzles and Mondo and, 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 and I have all these companies to thank for, you know, continuing to, to, to call on, call on my art services. (laughs) And, and so, yeah, I just, it felt like, uh, it was scary at first, but I felt like there was this sort of sense of like, right move. Yeah. 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 Have you, so this is taking a, a very serious and sentimental conversation and, and dumbing it down to um, something that's not serious, but have you throughout your adventures and meeting all the people that you've met through Rue Morgan through all your other uh, endeavors, have you ever met someone that you were like, oh my God, I can't even find my fucking, my words right now because I'm just tripping over myself because I'm just so uh, starstruck 
And I, yeah, for sure, man. Um, John Carpenter a little bit. Yeah. Mm, yeah. A little bit. I didn't want to, I just wanted to get a, a quick signature and say hi and get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I love the guy. I love him, but you know, he's being bombarded by, Sure. I didn't want to punish that guy. You know what I mean? I just yeah. wanted to like, um, he was cool, but, uh, I was definitely starstruck though. But the one random starstruck story I have was somebody that I never would imagine. I just, I didn't know what to say. And I, it was Shania Salt from white zombie of all mm. uh, people. She had a booth and I've always loved the original white zombie albums. I, yeah. like, I think they're great. And, uh, like, you know, highly respect, you know, them and, and at least that out uh, that era. And so I, I just, I was going to buy a record off of her and everything. And I, I got to her booth and she goes, what's up, man. And I just froze like an idiot. <laughs> and I just kind of looked at the booth and I went, yep. And I walked away. I love that. <laughs> I had nothing. I, I had, Hey, I'm, I've got a booth. Usually I can kind of like, Oh, Hey, I, I'm Gary. I don't know. Like I, I've got a booth here too, or, you know, this and that. And I do, I do artwork with, we have a mutual, we had a mutual friend. Uh, so, well, no, I wouldn't say he's a friend, but we have a mutual, I had a story worked up in my head. Like, you know, one of the guys from white zombies helps Kevin at wax work. Um, what do you want to call it? Remaster the albums, mm, like yeah. the soundtracks, uh, uh, Jay younger. I, I think that's how you say his name. I think that's like Jay younger. And anyway, so I had it all in my head. It's like, Oh, I work with Waxwork records. Maybe she would have known that, you know, or known who they were or something, you know, and just, and I was going to buy like something off of her. And I just spate, I just, I couldn't, I don't know. I just got a little, I got that little like crush that I had like in like 1980, whatever. Yeah. You know, and just like, oh shit. I it wasn't a crush. It was just like a I didn't realize yeah. where I was yeah. for a second. You know what I mean? And then I just walked away. Yeah, I love that. Because that's one of those things you can't control <laughs> and you have no idea it's gonna happen yeah. to you. Yeah. Until you're in that moment. Right. And you, yeah, you like, start to get in your exactly. own head. It's like what can you I, know, I I say that hasn't been said to this person yeah. by somebody <laughs> right. before, you know what I mean? <laughs> a totally random moment, like, you know, like I you know, Alice Cooper, I was maybe a little bit like starstruck by, but he's the type of guy who puts you right at ease. I mean you know, he is the coolest person I've ever met in this industry, bar none. Like, he really uh, ain't no pretentious bone about him. Um, you know, he's just very, the guy knows, you know what I mean? I, yeah. He's been yeah. around, like, he knows publicity, he knows people. You know, uh, a quick funny story was uh, back when Rumorik had him as a main guest at Festival of Fear, uh, you know, Rumorg was always good about kind of giving us some time with the main guests at their conventions. And so our time is to meet Alice and uh, we're all getting pictures with him. And so I get my photo with him and my wife is taking photos. She's very good at taking photos. And so we're all done. I get my last photo taken and he notices that Nicole didn't get in for a shot. And she's not the biggest Alice Cooper fan. I would say, you know what I mean? Just, you know, she's, she gets it and all that, but she just didn't go in for a shot. And he's like, Hey, what about you? And just points at her. And it was like the lamp started talking to her. She was just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, let's do this. And it was, you know, he, but he noticed, he noticed that there was one person in the room that, you know, he didn't get a photo with. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't yeah, know. That is cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. also it's amazing when you meet your heroes and they live up to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it sucks when they don't. Yeah. Yep. It really does. And I remember, not to get weird, but before we talked to to Maddie, 
you know, Jamie and I have been listening to his music for 15 years, right? So that was, that was a, heading into that conversation was a little nerve wracking for us. That's probably the most nervous I've been <laughs> doing this podcast was That's talking cool. to Matty. Yeah. Well, to, to do you want to talk to him more about the music or the art? Because I know he's... You know, he's made waves in both, like, industries, and I think that's really amazing. He's you know? huge. Yeah, I mean, he's killed it in both. I think for John and I, it was the music aspect. Uh, yeah. Like, we love him for both, but the music is where, like, we fell in love with him and, you know, his songwriting and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really great. And it's good to see that guy deserves every bit of it, so. Yeah, that, his, I mean, I love Ritual, too, but Dead and Divine... They were probably in my. I mean, that shaped both of like our. I, I, I can't even explain. They're yeah. one of my top five favorite bands right. of all time. Um, they're probably number one now that we've met them. Yeah. But yeah. I remember uh, talking cool. to my family, and my dad was like, "You're you fuck like you talk in front of people all, all the the time, like all day at work. Like you can say anything to anyone. Like what 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 are you doing?" And that mm-hmm. happened when I met Adrian King. I was like real nervous to talk to her, and she was the i was enamored she was so kind and so sweet She's and so nice cool. yeah yeah i got to meet her too once and yeah exactly she does her wine labels and yeah yeah, yeah. I, i've got a bottle super right cool. up there the cabin a oh nice Sauvignon. yeah yeah i, I got a that. photo with her there was a convention i went to in seattle and it it only it was only their first year and it was like a brand new con and it was really fun and they had me come in as a guest it was awesome like you know i tripped to seattle and uh Portland, sorry, Portland, Portland, Oregon. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, it was wicked. And, uh, yeah, Adrian King was there and, you know, I got to meet her and, uh, Ari, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. young Jason or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going to be Ari in Youngstown, Lyman. isn't he? He's going to be in Youngstown, Ohio next Friday. Yeah. With his, with his band, which is called what? Jason. First Jason. First Jason. Yeah. yeah first Jason's, he's a lot of fun. He's, he's, he's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it is cool. Like, you know, again, it's like going back to like the convention thing and, you know, I, I do feel like a kid in a candy store, you know, it's like, I want to, I want to run over there and meet these people now, whereas before, and sometimes you're, you're, you're too busy at the booth, like, you know, to, to get the opportunity. And, you know, you wish you would have had like taken like an afternoon, an hour out of that afternoon to go and, and trip around and, and uh, meet some of these people, you know? Yeah, so the first convention that I've ever been to, like I mentioned, was this past November, and our friend was exhibiting there, and he got me in with an exhibitor's pass, and I was sitting there at the table with him, and I said, do you ever, like, shop around and go meet people? And he said, well, no, typically I'm here by myself. And I was like, I I could work this credit card thing for you, man. Just, like, go, go, uh, cool. go ahead. And sure as shit, he leaves. This woman comes up. She's like, I want that shining poster. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't. I'm oh, like flipping through yeah. all this. And I was like, they're not labeled. Like, I can't find it. He comes yeah. back. <laughs> and I was like, sold three items. Tried to find one. Couldn't find it. And he was like, what? And I was like, just give me the poster. I'll, I'll go find her. And like, I tracked her down. <laughs> and I brought her back oh, to wait. the booth. Awesome. But, uh, but good, yeah. Good. Well, I know it's chaos behind the booth sometimes, man. You know, it's like, you know, when you're busy, like uh, the last few times I, you know, before COVID, I had to have, I was starting to have to have uh, somebody at the booth with me. Like some of these cons, like I can do on my own and I do, I, most of the time I'm, I want to, you know, some, it's not a vacation. So, you know, uh, my wife will come to like, if Mondo does one, she loves the Mondo folks, of course, but she loves Austin. So we'll tack on a few days there. 
if I'm in like Cincinnati or like a smaller town or maybe like at a, a convention that maybe I, I need to be there alone because it's just, you know, want to make sure that, yeah, it's more, you know, it's not a vacation. Yeah. So you had mentioned music. Do you want to talk a little bit about music and just seems like it's a big part of your life. It's a big part of our life too. Yeah. Do, do you have uh, intersections of your of of music and and horror and and art? Do those do those worlds collide in in your in your daily life? All the time. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, getting to do artwork for like the Misfits or like Jack White or you know, like I I love doing artwork for oh Def Leppard. I got to do a poster for Def Leppard. Recently. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Um. You know, and it's, so I love crossing over into that because music has been a huge part of my life. Um, I kind of was, you know, I, I messed around in a band before I went to college. Wasn't, you know, my my uh, uh, focus. So when it was clear I needed to do something for a living, I, you know, the band kind of was going in different directions. And I thought, man, I'm, you know, I got I got to go to college for artwork because I'm just going to work at a factory and live in London and Ontario, which, you know, I love London, but, you know, I knew there was, you know, you know, yeah. you think there's something more back then. Right. So, yeah, I mean, um, but music has always been a mainstay and uh, yeah, I listen to it when I work. I, you know, it's, it's creative, you know, it's yeah. the album covers, of course, you know um, it's half the experience. I mean, you know, there's a lot of bands. They don't really need graphics or they, not that they don't need them, but it's not part of their shtick or it's, they don't really give their, uh, you know, a look to their band. That's fine. But then the ones that do, there's always an artist behind that. Right. And so, you know, I like to, 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 to do, you know, stuff for heavy metal or, 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 you know, rock, you name it. Like, I mean, I feel like the metal scene particularly is, is pretty notorious for, for yeah. that, for the artwork, for yeah. the album covers, for the, yeah. for the yeah. apparel Punk that as comes well, with it. Like, yeah. Look at Glenn Danzig's, uh, say what you want about him, but I mean, he really did start, you know, uh, the misfits, uh, this whole horror thing with the whole, the way I love the way those, those old band flyers look. So for a while, I, you know, back in the nineties, you're trying to make everything look old, right. You're trying to make everything look, uh, or in the early two thousands, one of the tricks that everyone was using, make everything look like a VHS tape. Right. Yeah. Um, I love the way you make your own out of something just like, actually my wife was, thumbing through the book today and she was like this batman uh design is amazing and i was like hey it really is yeah the way that he takes something you know like so simple um and then makes something so amazing out of it like the way that the gotham is on the top of the the bat wings it captures so much from that era (laughs) yeah it's so amazing yeah it's funny because it's quick side of that poster i mean my first concept was like a flat batman logo with a city coming out of it and it just felt like, I don't know if I was going to be able to pull it off, to be honest. And then I came up with that one with the more of a bat shape, clear bat shape with the city on the wings. And that just felt more Tim Burton. And so that's yeah. kind of where we went, you know? Um, the other one was like a really like ultra perspective, you know, drawing that would take like a whole, you know, three weeks to do two weeks to do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, this one took a couple of weeks too, but it was a lot more for me, uh, more able to kind of grasp on to something like that and run with it. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of roughs. Like I try to include a lot of roughs in the book 
because I, I love, love those, those behind the scenes stuff where it's like, oh, wow, look at this idea. Look at that idea. Like, yeah. it's not like we just kind of like came to this, uh, this concept, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and, you know, you're always hoping that that's the best one, right? Sure. Like yeah. I love seeing like your doodles from your notebooks and stuff. Uh, I love seeing that kind of stuff in the book. Uh, quick side note about Danzig real quick. John and I have always been more AFI fans. We kind of missed Misfits. Oh, I love AFI too. Yeah. And yep. so we went to Riot Fest. Uh, I think it might have been 2013. It was Friday the 13th, and Danzig played on that night. Yeah. Like he was like nice. the, one of the closers, and it was amazing. Like we haven't really – like I said, we weren't huge Misfits fans, but like who doesn't want to see Danzig on Friday the 13th at like yeah, 9 no p.m.? And it was amazing. Remember how cold it was too? Yeah, oh, that's dude, great. Dude. It was September. That's a good September memory. 13. That's a good one. Yeah. And that, again, I can't wait till we can go back to concerts. You know, I mean, yeah. I really miss like when I go to a concert, I'm like, I'm looking at the equipment. I'm looking at the stage. <laughs> like I'm, I'm feeling the anticipation behind it. You know, like I, and I miss it. I miss it. Like, uh, I miss it. Like I do, a you know, a, a fix, you know? Yeah. 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 We so. feel you on that. 100%. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into your th- the theme that you picked was Universal Monsters, so we're going to get into your picks. But first, do you want to uh, tell everybody where they can find your stuff? Do you want to plug some uh, some of your stuff? Yeah, sure. If anyone wants to find me, I'm, I'm on Instagram, uh, at ghoulishgary.com, G-H-O-U-L-I-S-H, Gary, G-A-R-Y.com. Uh, and also, yeah, um, that's really where I am mostly, and Twitter, uh, same handle, uh yeah and facebook as well i've got a ghoulish gary pullen facebook group you can just search my name there and yeah i'm I'm, you know always posting what i can when i can um you know it's uh got a lot of stuff in the on the go right now which is really great i can't wait to show some of the stuff that's uh, in the works right now so so a lot lot of gary stuff you can find um direct through who he's doing the work for so he mentioned Mondo, That's true too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but Gary's also got a website too, which is pretty awesome. Uh, he's got a lot of great prints on there. So if you want to check that out, you can support and he does ship to the U S as well as to Canada. So, um, yeah. and I dare you to go to his site and pick one thing. Oh. I, I dare you because it's impossible. <laughs> I, I always tell people, Gary, I have like ADD. So like I'll go to your page and I'll like look through and I'll be like, I- I'm overwhelmed. I can't pick one thing. So then I'll just go away. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard, right? I and and this whole thing too, like we've had to kind of curve buying prints and and stuff too, because you want it all. I yeah. mean, you know, you're at MondoCon and and literally the best of the best is there and you want something from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. And I have <laughs> one little curve. office where I'm allowed to put my horror posters and I'm running out of real estate. So I'm like, well, I'll have to switch this one out and put this one up. We were yeah, t- talking yeah, about putting yeah. cubicles in our offices yeah. so we have more, walls. more wall space. Yeah, like <laughs> walls within walls. <laughs> That's awesome. Put up like a maniac poster one day and just see how that There you go. You guys want to get into some uh, Universal yeah. Monster movies? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So preparing for this episode was fun, as Jamie mentioned, because we did a deep dive on some universal monster films, but I started to get really curious. So Gary, we were talking today a little bit through Instagram about uh, the cost for how much it costs to make some of these movies. So one of the movies we're going to talk about, it was $300,000 to make. So I did a quick, like, what is that in current day value? Yeah. I mean, in the thirties or forties, that's so 
it equates, money, yeah. yeah it, it equates to about five million which is not like yeah. a ton 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 but it's not you know it's not cheap so i i found that to be interesting and then i started thinking about like bella lugosi who legitimately he and boris karloff you know two of the biggest icons in their trade they imaginable def- they define that era they completely yeah. defined it right? yeah they do yeah they do so yeah. i was looking and i found this one site that basically said bella lugosi Lugosi died penniless. Oh no! Like twelve hundred dollar yeah. net worth or something. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad. His his yeah his story there. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I honestly um, I felt addicted. so sad. And, mm-hmm. uh, but Boris Karloff and I, I don't know, I don't know why, but he he did not have the same fate. Well, also I feel like uh, entertainers didn't get paid the way that they do now. It's like baseball thing. players. No. Yeah. 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 Look at like. Like they would be the equivalent equivalent of say, maybe a one time Jim Carrey. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like twenty million is what Jim Carrey gets to show up. Sure. Right? So it's like, you know, yeah, they're not making that kind of money, and that's unfortunate because the impact that they have had. Like yeah. you know what I mean? It's well over twenty million dollars. Oh I mean, my god! Yeah. And they Universal don't- makes a lot of money on those. I was going to say the IPs that they represent and that their yeah. faces are on are worth um, you know millions. Yeah, and the licensing is just, it's never stopped. In fact, it's getting better with these these companies like Trick or Treat and that now you can find anything with Karloff on it or Frankenstein on it. You know, when we were kids, it was, you know, there wasn't as much t-shirts, it wasn't as much this and that. Um, so now it's like everything's accessible these days, right? Like yeah. Everything's so available. Yeah. The, other, the other thing I took away from i just was drawing on some general themes before we talk about the three specific films that gary picked here but the other thing i took away was how interesting it was the storytelling format was very dialogue heavy but very much so yeah but similarly they did not jamie i think you mentioned this to me they did not shy away from showing it you know like the monster yeah so it wasn't like Mm -hmm. hey we're just going to talk the whole time so we we don't have to spend a lot of money on practical effects because they suited these people up and they were like, no, we're going to zoom in on this face hard. You're going to see every detail. Yeah. So I found that super interesting. And then the third thing, which is not surprising, um, was the, the representation of, of women in all these films. It's like damsel in distress time after time after time. Like, yep. Um, so we're, yeah, they're hysterical and it sucks, right? Like it's like, it does. And we're, I mean, you know, it's a time capsule, you know, so it is what it is. Yeah. And they weren't they weren't the heroes back at least in these movies I guess right not so much I guess eh and then I think it was Frankenstein the preamble the introductory sequence uh, for the original Frankenstein where basically it's like a warning it's very Hitchcockian sort of um, hey you're gonna see something it might be yeah. scary good yeah. luck uh, and I I just reflecting upon that was super interesting because we're also oh yeah the intro now. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we warned you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, the desensitization. Yeah, if I'm saying that correct, because I was just thinking the other day, like some of the stuff I see that I'm just like so nonchalant about is like back in those days, you would have been like a gasp, like what the fuck? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's and, it's true. And now it's like I fall asleep to some of this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of the stuff that they could and can't, they can and can get away with then was different. Right. Yeah. Um, but the atmosphere behind those movies is incredible. And the, and the set pieces, it's like, 
there's no green screens, you know, it's like, everything's real. Everything's, you know, in, in camera. And, uh, you know, I really, even when I was a kid, I really gravitated towards those universal monster movies because of the visuals and, and because of the grand, the grandness of them. I mean, you know, pardon me. I was, I was saying so grandiose, like, especially the Frankenstein movies, like, yeah, just the doors themselves. Yeah. yeah, I found it super interesting just watching through these with kind of scrutiny this most recent go around because uh, I did grow up with these. And did uh, your parents introduce them to you? No, it just because was kind of like, hey, these are kind of accessible and they're on TV. Yeah, so TV you got them on. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because I in my mind I was like, my kids will not have any. It's so dialogue based. Mm-hmm. There's not enough going on. They're they're not going to be able to right. to stay yeah. engaged. But they they were, and it's be, I think it's because it's so theatrical and it's acted, and it feel it feels like you're watching a play. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, no, you're right, and maybe that's why that yeah, like kids can kind of like not get too bored by the dialogue. I always felt the mummy was my sort of like least, um, I want to say least favorite, really, because it. Uh, it is really heavy on dialogue. Of course, Karloff and the Jack Pierce makeup still looks better than the freaking mummy that they made in the nineties, you know, yeah. for me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the story is, it's pretty dry. Whereas I feel the ones that, that we're talking about and even Bride of Frankenstein and, and, and a couple of the others, um, there's a lot more going on. There's more effects. There's more, you know, mummy is pretty, the mummy is pretty, pretty dry gary i could not agree more and john you know i told you this yeah he texted me earlier this week he was like watch the mummy wasn't into it or something like that (laughs) so i i like i said i started binging all these universal monster movies and that was the one that to me was like i love the vibe of it i i love the egyptian vibe and everything but like i just found it to be boring you know it's boring i gotta say it it is yeah it's a little it's more of a weird twisted love story than it is a monster movie to me before, I'm sorry, yeah, I, before we take yeah, one more no, step, Gary, what's the game that we always play? I don't, I have no idea. Oh, uh, Horrified. Did you do the artwork for Horrified or some artwork in Horrified? Okay, I, I want to clear this up because I, I feel like, I, I only did like the cards that come in with it. Okay. Um, they're like black and white drawings for the cards. They're like, uh, you know, I, I can't remember what they're called, but I did about 36 drawings for the cards. But uh, Justin Erickson, uh, Paige Reynolds from pa- Phantom City, they handled the whole thing. Yeah. So he hired me on to help him with the game. Because there's so and much. His artwork is incredible. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I got, you know, I get tagged on on those, fo- which is awesome. People do tag me on them. But Justin deserves, like, all the credit for the rest of the artwork. You know, um, it's it's incredible. It's yeah, incredible. that game's incredible. I cannot yeah. tell you how much of my Christmas holiday and Jamie's Christmas holiday is consumed by the game every year since it's come out. Like, that's what we do. <laughs> cool, good. I'm uh, glad you guys like it. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, our family's it. always like, here go these nerds yeah. pulling this game out again. <laughs> I was stoked that, the, that they asked me to do it. You know, again, Justin Erickson and Paige Runner, like, they're really great friends of mine. And uh, I got to say, too, like, I Justin um, worked at Rumorg Magazine with me as well. We were the art department for like a good few years there. Yeah. And so I, it came time to when I need to find an assistant and 
I mean, Justin came in with his portfolio and I'm like, dude, you're like overqualified. I mean, like, yeah, you could start your own magazine, basically. Uh, you know what I mean? Sure. So Justin's but the one I that was, you guys shared that uh, Freddy Krueger split. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And uh, honestly, that was when we did that cover, I was working on the old school Freddy part and he was working on the new Freddy. And we kind of had a rough idea what we we're doing. We had a rough to go off of. But it's funny when we were in the office at that time, all the editors are standing around us when we're putting it the first time we oh, I'm finished my side, he's finished his. And so Justin's going to mock it up on his machine and he puts it together and everyone's socks blew off. It looked awesome. Yeah. It was just like, I'll never forget everyone just going, Whoa, that looks awesome. And I, I just felt like, man, this is so much fun. You know, like yeah. we're, 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 you know, Justin, when he was hired, you know, the, the artwork for the magazine got really great. I mean, I got to say, like, he really did, you know, step up. Right. And I needed someone like that at that time. I need, you know, because I, I wanted to be able to give him big assignments and know that he could kill it, you know? And yeah, I mean, like I said, when he was hired, I'm like, you're overqualified because, you know, but I wanted to hire him because I wanted, I wanted the best for our magazine. And I love that mentality too, because so many people would be like, Oh, this person might supplant me someday, yeah, so they I'm not going to hire them. Overshadow yeah. me yeah. or something. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and you know, like you know, the kid's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, what am I going to do? Like, and I wanted to make sure that he was happy there too. Like, you know, not, I don't like you know. I wanted to make you know. Well, I felt like we were a team more than like you know, boss assistant. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't like that. I didn't want. I didn't want that. I, I wanted him to feel like, you know, he's there to contribute his his uh style and you know um and yeah i mean we killed it there that's all. <laughs> what am i gonna say you know yeah yeah i'm sorry i took us off course with the the horrified uh mention but man we 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 love that game so for sure okay you we want to jump into the movies now yep do you have a specific order you want to go in i just i i you know you love orders yeah i just kind of took notes on the order in which i watched them okay so we can start with the first one from 1941. This is Gary's first pick. Uh, Gary, do you want to, I'll howl this over to you if you want to introduce it, <laughs> if that helps. <laughs> oh, well, I think we've all, uh, well, let's see, you know, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms in the autumn. Hey, Johnny Williams bright. was killed? Yes. Find something? Animal tracks. Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf himself. Oh, don't hand me that. You're just wasting your time. The wolf bit you, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. You wouldn't want to run away with a murderer, would you? Oh, Larry, you're not. You know you're not. I killed Bela. I killed Richardson. If I stay here any longer, you can't tell who'll be next. <laughs> perfect i mean who can't relate to that i completely agree and cool. this is probably heading into this assignment i was confident that this was my favorite of the films um i don't know if oh, i still man. feel that way after watching them again yeah i know if you deep dive on these 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 universal movies you always have like those three in your head yeah like frankenstein you know wolfman dracula yeah yep but 
Universal made a lot of movies back then. They made a lot of movies. Man, they really did. When you start looking through, you're like, The Hand of the Mummy? What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. House of Frankenstein. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. I just watched that one today, by the way. Great. It's so good. Even the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is looked at like a classic, and it is. Yeah. It's really production value. Anyway, I can go on. We're going to go on a tangent about Abbott and Costello now. (laughs) All right. So, so, So... Wolfman from 41 had Claude Rains, Lon Chaney, uh, Ralph Bellamy, Warren William in it. And this is about Larry Talbot. Yeah. Ju- or not junior. I guess his, his dad was Lon not Chaney. Larry. Yeah. This, this is, is Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. Lon Chaney Jr. Stuck. Was the actor. And it's funny too. If you look at the bill, he's the most prominent character in the film. But like, even if you go on IMDB, he's like the 12th character down and he's not, he's not, uh, noted in the starring this film is starring these individuals so I, I found that pretty interesting yeah it's too bad that uh I mean Cheney was obviously a major player back then too but it's too bad it wasn't like Karloff and you know Karloff yeah Lugosi, yeah Cheney where was that you know yeah. what I mean yeah yeah but uh so Larry returns to his father's castle in Wales and he creeps his way into a relationship with a beautiful woman. And one night he escorts her to a um, carnival, right? That they're, that they're going to. It's like yeah, a yeah, festival yeah. sort of deal. Yeah. And they, they meet this gypsy fortune teller and things kind of go down here. But uh, my notes on this film were the transformation scene, I think is amazing considering. For the time the, I was surprised. Yeah. The length of time they leave that scene like mm-hmm. on camera is yeah. I, th- I thought was incredible. Yeah. And you have to think he has to sit there still very still for, I don't know how many hours. Right. I mean, it, you know, he, if you watch it, he does slightly move, but imagine having to sit that still as they're applying, make the stages of makeup. Yeah. It's that's stop insane. motion animation. That's insane. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was awesome. I also love the town, the scene, the environment, um, the carnival scene, like the how dark the street is with the mist when he's waiting outside for her to get out of work, uh, and then yeah. they walk over. Yeah. Like the whole the whole environment and the atmosphere, I think, is pretty good. Um, the two things I was will say is his dad is not a good dad. <laughs> this is the horror dad's <laughs> podcast, but uh, be a good dad. Yep he he doesn't believe him, but then takes the precaution to literally chain him to a chair. So that does happen. And the second thing is how creepy it is when Lon Chaney has that telescope, which is the size of my car. And he's looking through the the woman's window, creeping on her. And then he goes into the shop and he says, I want a pair of star spangled earrings. She's like, well, we don't have them for sale. And he goes, well, no, they're up on your bureau. And she's like, what? what? <laughs> you know, yeah, that's so a little creepy. Stalkerish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, all, all in all, I, the transformation scene is great. I love the 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 vibe and the feel of this whole thing. I love the Wolfman character. Uh, mm-hmm. I, the I, forest I, is amazing too. The, oh yeah, the it's so good. It's yeah, that forest. Yeah, yeah. There, it's it's funny because there are some things that the black and white enhances. You know, like there's some of those shadowy shots <laughs> that you're like, this wouldn't be the same. Yeah. If, no, yeah. I mean Val Luton shot like you know cat people and i walked with a zombie uh there's another one too and they're all black and white um 
Night of the Hunter. I mean, there's a perfect example of like the tricks and gimmicks you can use with black and white photography. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. Like it's, you know, it's interesting that uh, didn't uh, Del Toro release Nightmare Alley in black and white? Oh, I don't know. Or, or maybe that he was talking about doing it in a version of it on the Blu-ray in black mm. and white. So there's got to be something to it because directors want to turn their movies into black and white when they're done. Yeah, you know? I remember, I think Frank Darabont did it with The Mist. That's oh, he, right. He, he that that was mist. one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I heard something right. about Nightmare Alley. I might be making it up, but um, yeah, I know. It's, 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 uh, yeah, it's just, it looks amazing. And I think uh, one of the other movies, I'll, I'll the one, when we get to it, I'll mention the black and white thing there too. There's a fact about that, but like, yeah, it's, it's cool. You know, um, you're right. They look like plays. They definitely have that staged yeah. kind of set look to them, but uh, sure. yes. yeah, they're, I don't know. To me, it's like, it's all handcrafted, right? Like it's, it's all handmade. So that's why I really appreciate them. Um, they're not relying on any computer. Yeah. And I, I also like the, how dramatic these are too like the the concept and these are quick too so i think all all three of these films were like yeah they're like a an hour and 10 minutes or yeah, something yeah. They're, they're beautiful they're really eh? 92 minutes i love it yep yeah yeah um but the the whole like the concept of basically being the dad not believing your son and then the outcome that happens like that's a very emotional complicated thing to unpack yeah and they you they, really feel like his torment you know like yeah. uh you really feel Larry Talbot's torment in the movie, you know, like um, his struggle and he's, you know, it's just so really, you know, it's, it's just so well done. I mean, it's, it's always been a favorite and you're right. Like, well, we'll get to the other ones, but you think it's like number one, right? It's yeah. one of the big, big ones, but there are so many great uh, other great, great universal monster movies that uh, not too many people really talk about. Do you, do you remember which is the first that you ever saw? You know, that's that's a good question, because like I said, there was like a channel that would show them. It's got to be probably I do. Rem- it might have been Bride of Frankenstein. I don't know, because I remember the little people in the jars. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my earliest memories from the Universal Monster films is uh, Dr. Pretorius's lab. And, you know, they he had like these these people in jars. And I just when I was a kid, I was like, what the hell is going on? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't scary. It was just weird. It was just super weird. And, it makes you um, think. It's like, is that possible? Like, what would need to yeah. occur for that to be a thing? And it just, it literally bends your mind. Yeah, it does. And I think I, you know, I remember seeing maybe that at the same time because you know I remember the bride quite well and Frankenstein being together. And so maybe that was the first movie. I don't really know. You know, it's it's too scrambled to like really remember. I wish I I wish I knew. You know, I watched a bunch of them at once. Um, and you know, like even as a kid, you're, you're sort of, you, you find your favorites. Like even yeah. when I was a kid, I thought the mommy was kind of boring. <laughs> and it, even later in life, now that you're like a film scholar and, you know, and all this stuff, you're still kind of like, yeah, it's a little dry. Yeah, um, it's, it's funny too. when because even like our friends and family, they think we are some like authority when it comes to horror films simply because, because we do this <laughs> and we're, we're literally not, we're, we have no, no credential beyond the, the, the common no person. Book, that there's just, no guide. Exactly. And we, but we always settle on the concept of like, 
you like what you like, you don't like what you don't like, and that's completely yeah. fine. And you shouldn't feel like you have to adhere to some standard that's created by a community that, that, oh, you, you have to like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre more than the remake. Um, yeah. This right. comes up all the time because I like the remake more right. than the original. I <laughs> love the remake too. I, yeah. I thought that's a whole other podcast. But uh, <laughs> You guys want to jump to the we'll next do one? That. Yeah. Um, you guys are just kind of following my order. I'm, I'm sorry, Gary, do you want, it's fine. You can, you can, you can introduce the next one, whichever one you want, man. You know what? I'm looking forward to getting into, to let's just say it, son of Frankenstein. Yeah. Nice. As a man, I could destroy him. But as a scientist, I should do everything in my power to bring him back to conscious life. Benson, turn on the generator. Produced on a vast scale, Son of Frankenstein presents the most fearsome cast in the history of the screen. The Rathbone. In his heart, warm human emotions. In his mind, the monster mania. Karloff, rising from the past to spread new terror. 1939. That's so- one that um, became a favorite, like when the box set came out. Uh, or not the box set, but they were like three DVDs came with the statues. Oh yeah. Uh, a few years ago, more than a few years ago, probably. Um, and, uh, I watched son of Frankenstein back then and I was like, wow, this, this sequel is like one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Lugosi is incredible in it. Yeah, uh, he, is. he really, he really is. He, you know what? I think, I'm starting to think that Dracula is my least favorite role uh, of his, of his. Yeah. Huh. Because I, you know, you can go to, you can also reference white zombie. He plays murder le genre. If I'm saying that right in white zombie. Yeah. And he is menacing as shit. Like, I don't know. He's just a cool menacing villain and uh, just eating up the scenery. You know what I mean? Like it just, just every line. And then with um, that court uh, scene in, um, in Son of Frankenstein, where he's embarrassing the court, right? Uh, yeah. Lugosi plays Igor in Son of Frankenstein. Uh, and he was hanged by the uh, cities, by the city that found him for grave robbing. And uh, now he's in this court with like 12 people making a mockery of him. And it's an awesome scene. Yeah, and so everyone and treats like, him like shit, and he and he instantly creates like credible authority because he's he survived it. You know, we're in the third installment, and he's like the closest vein to like the uh, the core of the story, and he has an authority because he knows what's going on. He's been through it, and um, they make him out to be a fool with those his haircut like like a bowl yeah. cut. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah, he's got a really weird bowl cut, and he kind of looks like a a gnome or something. I don't yeah. Know. But he's, he's, he's got like a big bone sticking out of his neck and he's smart though. And then the other component is like the whole core to this story is that you can be a smart, the smartest person in the world in the world. But if, unless you have emotional intelligence, like you're not going to connect with anyone. Right. And that was the most fascinating part for me is that the monster was like, he was the monster's caretaker essentially. Uh, yeah, he used him as a puppet. Like yeah. he, he basically used the monster to exact re- revenge on all the people that hanged him. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting, uh, you know, kind of storyline. 
Very much. You know, he started, he convinces Dr. Frankenstein to revive the monster for his, you know, gain, his wrongdoings. And, and, and the monster trusts Igor, you know, in this. And I don't know. I just, I, I just, that movie, I love the look of it. Um, And I was going to say it was supposed to be in color, but they couldn't get uh, Carlos makeup to look right. Apparently. Mm. Um, That's one of the, one of the things that uh, they were playing with back then. And, and so, yeah, um, they were going to try to do it in color and, and you can see some online, you can see some color shots of Karloff in that he's got like a, he's got like a Fred Flintstone. It's like a like, Sherpa rug that he has yeah. with armholes cut out. <laughs> exactly. He's like Bam Bam or something. I don't know, but it looks cool. Like it, who cares what it looks cool. Yeah. And then yeah. the cop that's in it is like this, that, that sort of like, you know, he was spoofed in Young Frankenstein. He's kind of like that German cop with the one arm, you know? With the one arm, yeah. And the monocle. Which in the, monocle, the whole time I was so, looking you know, at him, Mel I was Brooks, like, what's wrong with his face? Mel Brooks spoofed that, you know what I mean, yeah, in, yeah. in Young Frankenstein. So, uh, but yeah, again, like Son of Frankenstein, it's 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 awesome and it needs to be revisited because it's so much fun to watch. So it's, good. I love when he first shows up and he's talking to all the people, telling them like, you know, yeah, my father was a great man, and, and then everyone's just like, I'm out of here with my umbrella. I have that scene written down right here, and too. I totally agree. Also, <laughs> if My Chemical Romance didn't rip that off for one of their music videos, uh, yeah, then really. I don't know who I am. <laughs> no doubt, eh? The no other doubt. funny thing, I, in addition to uh, Frankenstein's outfit, I, I had a note on that, too, <clears throat> Gary, but... Uh, the, the little boy's voice in this is so funny. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the kid actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, does he have an like an accent? Like, what? What is his He's accent? Great. Yeah. But he was super cute. He just made him say, character. "Mommy, mommy!" Like the, <laughs> the cop with the arm, though. I just want to say real quick, like when he very first comes in and like lifts his own arm up to point or whatever he does, I was dying. I, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> and his dialogue yeah, there's a with lot the of kid humor was cool. in the movie, right? Yeah, there is, there's and like when they humor. rip their arm off, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, eh? It's, it's, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, Whoa, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, no, it's a, it's a really good sequel. It's a really, I, I love the way that, you know, I love where they took the story. And again, you know, Lugosi, he's just, you know, I think he deserved a lot more credit for what he got for, for sure. You know, yeah. He was great. So great in that. Yeah. And I, this was the first time I've seen this film, but also this was the first film that I watched that didn't it broke the archetype of having the damsel in distress. So yeah. that, that was not a factor in this one. Yeah, no, that's true too. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Everything mm-hmm. about the, the laboratory and like, just like that whole, like the architecture in there is amazing. And yeah, like the dude. doors and like how they're like, they're weird, like parallelograms, the doors and like, yeah, uh, that it's really, uh, very art deco. It really like, is. You know? Yeah. And like, like German actually, expressionism. You could For tell sure. by the sound design of the film too. It's kind of echoey. That, yeah, that they were legitimately recording in spaces. In I'm there, sure they were yeah. sets, yeah. Uh, but in spaces that that sound like they looked. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it felt like a really big room based off of the the sound design sure. of the film. And that like bedroom where they all slept, and the beds are like in a circle. <laughs> yeah. Like I will sleep with all of my best friends in a room like that. Just like <laughs> mattresses. I love it. Exactly. Me, you, Chris Garofalo and Ghoulish Gary with like beds stacked up in a circle. It'd be like big brother horror. <laughs> oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great. Like, yeah, son of Frankenstein. I'm always, 
I'm always down to champion that film. It's just so much fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, thanks for introducing this one. Oh to my us, God. Man. Yeah. This is a great. Oh, one. good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that we own it now too. Game, yeah. game you bought it. Yeah. So we have this ongoing thing here, Gary, where like every time we buy a movie an instant, it like, if you want a movie to be streaming, I just have to buy it. So like I bought son of Frankenstein and ghost of Frankenstein, like this, like dual thing. You know what I mean? I, sure. I like four days later, it's streaming on shutter. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Like, I know you can't fuck? win. Yeah. I know there's um some of the DVD companies like some of those movies are on Tubi. So Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Save your 60 bucks. I always forget about Tubi. Tubi's great. But I'm also like the guy that's got to have the DVD. I got to have the packaging. Yeah. yeah. I got to have the artwork. Same. I, you know what I mean? Yep. I got to have the extras. I love watching the extras. Yeah, we're, I mean, I got stacks behind me. I haven't even touched yet, you know what I mean? Oh I haven't God. bought a DVD in a while because I just I need to, I need to watch those first. Yep. Uh, but that alligator just came out from Shout Factory. I'm dying to time to get that. Yes, it's a great movie. And there's some really good 4Ks coming out. Um, yeah, American Werewolf in London comes out yeah. in March. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. We always laugh about how we we're like peeking our head out each each time the mailman comes. It's like, oh, damn it, God, my DVD here yet. My Blu-ray didn't come today. And then oh, I know, I know. You, you wait for it, and you wait for it, you wait for it, and then it gets there, and you're like, oh, thank God I have it. And then you put it on your shelf, and it's like, oh, it's four still months, in the yeah, Four months later, it's still in plastic. Like, well, I know, it's I like, I can't it. wait to watch this, but maybe next year, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I again, like, vinyls, Blu-rays, I mean, I can't get enough of them. Posters, artwork. Same, yeah. yeah. No, my vinyls, it's like, I want to keep them in plastic, but I rip them instantly, because I want to open that vinyl and see it. and yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, yeah, I think the fog of mine is still in plastic, which is weird. And I'm going to go home. Is and that open the it. death waltz fog or the one that, that waxwork? Just it's the waxwork fog. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. I never got that one, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I had to gotta have that. it. Right. I love That's- the variants. I love the colored vinyl. Like I love how that looks. I know that there may be some sound issues with certain things, but I don't even care. Yeah. It's Give so that minor cool that like I, I have a decent player. I've never really had an issue. I don't um, think I have either. I don't think I've ever noticed an issue. Oh God. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not. And even if I heard one, I would, I wouldn't even care. Yeah. Yeah. I would just like, yeah, right. right like I know they're there because you read on the boards, right? Like there's sure. always someone yeah. mansplaining to another guy about the sound issues <laughs> on a colored vinyl. <laughs> Um, who cares? It looks awesome and it yep. sounds good. So, like my copy it, of the I thing. love, I love oh. that it's part of the design now too, right? Like coming up with like the, like I don't know who started it, but like the bubble gum variant for They Live. You know what for I mean? For sure. Like, come up yeah. with like the names. It's all part of the theme. The it's name of, the of it, it gets me. Yeah. The Chud one that uh, Wax worked. Did you do the artwork for that one? I did. Gary? I yeah. remember they had like a sewer. <laughs> Uh, like sewer cap gray or whatever. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. We were at your, it was your like wedding shower, wasn't it? Yeah. Or what? your we- rehearsal dinner. We had to pre-order it like that day. And I, I remember you were like busy with your like rehearsal shit. And I was like, dude, did you uh, pre-order the Chud vinyl? And you were like, no, I forgot. And like instantly like got on your phone. And I think that's I know, when your step I, yeah, was I like, know. you I'm... douches. Yeah, yeah. Priorities, It's, it's awesome. Let's get back in our canoe and row mm, to, into to the, the last the black lagoon. <laughs> I didn't write these Portage down. Portage into the... Yeah. So our last film is 1954's Creature from the Black Lagoon. 
Science couldn't explain it, but there it was, alive, in the deep, deep waters of the Amazon. A throwback to a creature that had existed a hundred million years ago, immensely strong and destructive. A woman's beauty, the bait that brought it out of its lair. See underwater thrills never photographed before. See titanic underwater battles never dreamed of before. In this most terrifying of the science fiction adventures. Yeah. Directed Is by Jack Arnold, starring Richard Carlson, Julie, the beautiful Julie Adams, and Richard Denning. What were you going to say, Jamie? Sorry. I was going to ask if this was your favorite one. I think I enjoyed this one the most, yeah. Cool. It's my all-time favorite Universal, I yeah, think. Yeah, so good. Um, I don't, I don't want to take words out of anybody else's mouths, but this is Anaconda. Yeah. Well, Anaconda is this. <laughs> yeah, Anaconda is this. I think you're on to something there. Oh, yeah, the river rap. Yeah. The whole time I was watching, I was like, wait, this is Anaconda. Is that Tom Voigt, John Voigt's dad? <laughs> is that John Voigt's dad? That's funny. It's the best get off my lawn movie ever made. It's basically like people show up to the creature's lawn and just won't leave. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> get get off your but lawn. I thought this is, one was so good. And what was her name? Lawn. Julie Adams? Yeah, yeah, Julie Adams. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I, I thought that so the original version of the thing, Gary, is probably one of my my favorites. I know it's not universal. Um, oh yeah. The actually, thing from another world. I actually have it sitting right here. I don't know why I really didn't yep. plan this. It is Same just time right that. I love it too. But the, the concept in this film is, is the same deal here, which is the juxtaposition of you have two industry people two. and one is like, Hey, we need to preserve this. And the other is like, Hey, we need to smash this. This is basically like yeah. U S yeah. politics right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a living fossil, right? Like, you know? Seriously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's a really interesting dynamic to this movie. And then the the other thing I thought was the score, I think, is, is cool. And how prominent and loud, like, each time that hand keeps coming up. I feel like they filmed one shot <laughs> yeah, of yeah. that and they showed it, like, ten times. Uh, but I that's love that. That's amazing that you say that. Because that is something I always reference when I talk about creatures. That he has his own, like, scary music when he shows up on screen. Yeah. And it's like those blaring French horns, right? Yeah. And it's it's when I was a kid, that was very startling. And I and I always felt that the creature is the scariest of the if we're gonna talk about spooky scary, like it's probably the scariest because of those French horns. And they kind of lead up to him. They don't show him right away. Right. You see yeah. a hand, you know, you see the back of his head or whatever underwater. Um, and that reveal when, you know, they really zoom in on him. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I, you know, and he still looks good. I mean, he's like a, you know, a man in a suit and, uh, it's really interesting that he does look great. He really great. does. Yeah. This is a concept that comes up from time to time too, but the use of the score, uh, Gary, you're mentioning, you know, he has his own kind of spooky mu music. They really like Pavlov's dog you and they condition you. <laughs> They're like, okay, if you hear a French horn, you're supposed to be scared. And then by the end, yes. it's this like fortuitous, like culmination of of music and sound and imagery. And it's just like really exciting and well done. But I I was reading a bunch of stuff about, about this movie and about the suit. And I guess it had like zero visibility. Like they the dude mm -hmm. they had two different stuntmen. Uh yeah. but they couldn't see when they were in the suit, which is mm. why the later versions, the eyes are so comically large. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So oh, I did hear about that too. Yeah. 
They're like almost like eggshell like eyeballs on that creature walks among us. Yeah. The, the scene though at the end when they're in the cavern area when uh Julie Adams is supposed to be unconscious. I, I guess she was really unconscious because the guy couldn't see as he's like running into this like cavern and he hit her head on like a rock wall and she lost consciousness. Holy shit. And they were like, Julie killed it. Great, great job. <laughs> Julie. They knocked her out. Uh Julie? <laughs> so that's really funny yeah i was i thought that was uh yeah interesting but i, I really yeah. enjoyed this one yeah but again it's it's a really strong universal monsters uh movie and uh and also like in the 1954 was it i think yes uh you know during that time i mean you brought up the thing like tarantula was huge um all the like these nuclear sort of atom age science fiction movies were coming out around that time and the creature fit really nicely into that and i love i love those that era of like them i love them yeah have you guys seen that one the giant ant movie we it's, i have it's awesome. i have not it's awesome it's it's like 90 minutes of pure it's it's wicked like honestly you'd love it it's a I'll lot of fun to watch um and uh it won it won like uh it won i think an oscar for effects back oh damn uh i don't know if it was directed by Jack Arnold, but like Jack Arnold did, you know, Tarantula and he did uh, Incredible uh, Shrinking Man and uh, another big, you know, sci-fi, you know. And so his involvement in the creature is so, you know, it's it really kind of ties into that whole 50s atomic age thing. And um, I love that whole style is there, too. It's really good, you know, being it's it's the U.S. is on the brink of war with with Russia, right, um, as you head into the 60s and you have the Red Scare and this is all part of, I, I feel like these were like military mobilization films to inspire people to say like, hey, if something happens, you know, we just came out of World War II, something bad could happen again, we're on uncertain terms with Russia, uh, but just know if there's any foreign entity that comes into this country, we'll, we're going to win, we're going to be successful yeah. and you know that's really exacerbated uh later in life when the blob comes out because it's legitimately oh, yeah. a big red yeah. blob <laughs> which is <laughs> again see the blob rules i love the first one love the remake too but love you know yeah steve mcqueen uh such i, I love 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 that original one i just yeah. had it on the other day it's on uh, showtime or something right now streaming yeah i love when criterion released it i'm like wow okay like yeah Criterion puts out the best of the best, like you know. Oh, yeah. So, uh, if that's on their list, you know it's a good movie. Yeah, for sure. Well, this was a great prompt, a great theme, Gary. Thank you one hundred million times for doing this for us, man. We, <laughs> no no really, problem. Thanks for asking me. Really appreciate it. We had a lot of fun. It's been an amazing chat, and just happy to have you on, man. Yeah, thanks. Well, I love the uh, the podcast, guys. I, the The graphics are really good. You mentioned that. Uh, do you guys do you guys do it yourself, or do you, you said you had a buddy do all your graphics? Uh, so we had a a buddy sort of set us up and kind of get the brand established, but I, I manage the day to day. So um, yeah, yeah, looks good. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, it's like we were talking beforehand. Passion projects are fun to you know tickle your your passion bone, but they're super time consuming. So this certainly is a time consuming endeavor, but it's really it's paid off so much and more through just through conversations like this and um, meeting people that care about the stuff we do. It's just, it's so great to talk to, talk to people like you, man. So yep. we really appreciate it. Well, thanks for asking me. I really appreciate 
you uh, taking the time to talk to me too, man. <laughs> so we'll, we'll catch you on the convention trail. I'm certain, uh, hopefully here in 2022. If you see any creep at a convention holding a sign that says, Hey, it's me, Jamie. That's me. <laughs> you got it, buddy. All right. All right, Gary. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, man. Bye, Gary. Thank you.